Are you or is someone you love just stuck after experiencing a trauma? And do you want to learn more about specific treatments available to you that will help you recover from trauma symptoms? Today, I'll describe prolonged exposure therapy, which is one of the most effective treatments we have available in the field for PTSD and trauma. Welcome to The Happy Wizard. I'm your host, Dr. Shiva Guide. I'm a board-certified and licensed clinical psychologist, a public speaker, and an educator. In this podcast series, I'll be sharing strategies to help you heal from the past, navigate everyday challenges, and create a much more meaningful life. Hi, I'm Dr. G, and today I'm excited to introduce you to one of the best treatments we have for PTSD. My goal is to familiarize you with treatment so that if and when you might go ask for professional help, you'll know exactly what to expect. So first, before launching into anything, I want to again emphasize, like I did in the last episode, that this podcast episode and the entire series actually is not meant in any way to serve as a substitute for actual professional treatment with a doctor or a specialist. You know, I decided to create these episodes because in my experience, people coming in for help often have a lot of anxiety just about the treatment and not knowing what to expect. Um, And of course, you know, people with anxiety always tend to think that it's going to be far worse than it actually ends up being. I think this is also a good time to revisit briefly some basic facts we have in the field right now about trauma and PTSD. We talked about all of these earlier in the trauma series, um, and they've been discussed in detail, but I think that there are certain things that are worth repeating because there are just so many misunderstandings and misconceptions and just plain old myths about PTSD and the experience of trauma. First of all, We think a majority of people will be exposed to some sort of traumatic experience in a lifetime. Um, And probably after COVID-19, that percentage is even higher. Maybe everybody. However, the majority of people who do experience something traumatic, that means life-threatening or violating, naturally recover. So it's normal to have some symptoms right after a traumatic event, but usually within a few months, Most people recover completely and just go on with their lives, right? And, you know, mind you, obviously getting an exact number of people who fail to recover versus people who recover is really difficult for things like this um, because of the ongoing stigma. So not everybody goes to see a doctor, but, you know, hopefully that's changing over time. We're seeing some changes and things are becoming um, destigmatized. I think the fact that there is suddenly this, you know, nationally recognized shortage of psychiatrists and psychologists in the country may actually be evidence to the possibility that we are very slowly but surely destigmatizing mental illness and psychiatric dis-ease. Anyway, um, according to research over the past few decades, only about 8 to 14% of the population ever develops chronic PTSD. I mean, yes, you did hear me correctly. That means most survivors of trauma never develop PTSD. Like 70 to 90% of people who've experienced trauma recover naturally, right? But the bigger problem is that if you are in that small, small percentage of people who developed PTSD or chronic illness, once you've gotten stuck 
from what we know in the field, it's actually really unlikely that you'll get unstuck without formal treatment. And that includes medication and therapy. Um, remember also that re receiving both pharmacotherapy and psychotherapy simultaneously um, gives us the best outcomes. There's some sort of synergistic effect when we put them together. And we see in some cases, almost a twofold improvement when people are in therapy and on meds at the same time. And the goal is not necessarily to have you on meds forever. They'll stop working at some point because you reach a, a level of tolerance like all drugs, right? But also remember, psychiatric meds are not addictive, right? Except the benzos. That's another topic for another podcast. But, um, but if you are starting treatment for PTSD, please think about getting on medication as well. So if you're in that small percentage of people who did get stuck and you developed chronic PTSD, also, please don't feel bad about yourself or blame yourself. Yeah, true, you are in the minority, right? Um, which is different than what the population and people in general think. People think if you go through trauma, you have PTSD. Um, no, that's not true at all. And so true, you are in the minority, but I want to reassure you, you did get stuck for some very specific and also reasonable reasons, right? Just know, and this is the most important point right now, that recovery is within reach for you. And my hope is that maybe after listening to this entire trauma series, you'll feel, you know, adequately and mentally prepared to dive in and get yourself better once and for all. Okay, so for this episode, this is part two of the cognitive approach that we're teaching you about, and, um, and also for the last one on cognitive processing therapy. Again, my goal is to help you manage expectations for treatment, so if you go in, that you'll feel a little bit more prepared to make some real change and do some hard work, um, and you know, to reassure you that it is within reach, it is doable. Many people have done it, many people have recovered. So the topic for today is another top-line treatment for PTSD and trauma, and it's called prolonged exposure, or PE. I personally believe, well, I'm not the only person, but the, the field believes that CPT and PE are the very best, gold standard, best treatments we have currently for PTSD and trauma disorders. Prolonged exposure, like cognitive processing therapy, is a treatment that was originally created to help patients process their trauma cognitively and emotionally. Like CPT, PE takes um, from the emotion processing theories of PTSD and also our understanding of the benefits of exposure therapy. Basically, that's this idea of confronting our feared situations in very safe and controlled ways that might be very anxiety-provoking, but ultimately will give us those corrective learning experiences. We have to learn and repeatedly demonstrate to ourselves that some of these perceptions, these stories, right, our trauma narrative that we tell ourselves are actually inaccurate. That, you know, we walk around thinking the lion is everywhere, but actually the lion is not everywhere, right? We did encounter a lion once, but the, not everywhere are there lions that are going to eat us. The main functions, or I should say maybe strategies for PE include um, educating people on common reactions after trauma, right? That's pretty obvious and it goes for any kind of treatment really. Also 
teach breathing retraining, again, very commonly teach, you know, across the board. Um, and what that means is we teach people how to breathe in much more effective, calmer ways, right? It's that diaphragmatic abdominal breathing. If any of you have practiced yoga, you're probably already familiar with this kind of breathing. I like to actually teach breathing to all of my folks that I work with, with who have any kind of anxiety, because it's actually one of the most helpful tools because what people with anxiety often don't recognize is that they're literally hyperventilating all day long, you know, and that can be very exhausting as you can imagine. So teaching people to be a little bit more aware of their breathing and make sure that they're actually breathing full, long, slow breaths in a normal way throughout the day, even a really stressful day. Um, it's a great skill, uh, to have, and it's something really important to teach uh, or to learn. And then of course, you know, as the name suggests, PE involves exposure. Um, and there are two different kinds of exposure that we work on in, in prolonged exposure. The first is called in vivo exposure. What that means is in real life. And that basically means just putting yourself in situations or around things that you would normally have been avoiding um, because these situations or activities or things, you know, like objects, places, people remind you of your traumatic experience, right? These are the triggering um, condition stimuli. The other kind of exposure is called imaginal exposure. And, you know, like it sounds, that means in your mind, imagining. So basically what that is, is confronting the actual memory that you have of what happened. And we, then we do that over and over again, um, basically until you're sick of your own story and uh, to the point that you no longer react physically or physiologically or emotionally to it. Um, it's basically like a desensitization strategy, much like other exposure strategies that enables us to experience something called habituation, right? Did you hear that key word in habituation? It's habit. And that means we're trying to get used to a new situation. That's really important because keep in mind, you know, the, the memories of trauma are not actually dangerous. You know, sure, they're unpleasant and you don't like to have them, but they're not going to hurt you or kill you. It was only the actual traumatic experience that's now over, clearly, because you survived to listen to this podcast, but that was the life-threatening event. Again, why are we going through all of this? Because... What happens after trauma is that you start avoiding one thing, but then over time it generalizes to many things. And then, you know, before you know it, your life becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And some of you listening right now have experienced this personally. So you understand how painful and how damaging that can be. I've seen uh, patients over the years get to the point that they won't even leave their bedroom. And that's a pretty limiting way to live, as you can imagine. Um, you know, the trauma didn't kill you, but feeling confined to one room over time might lead to such a um, severe depression and so much isolation that you might actually die in the end because you kill yourself. And that is, that is really uh, significant and really profound. And it's something that we can do something about. So prolonged exposure like CPT is also a manualized treatment. That means it follows a pretty structured protocol. So, you know, if you're someone with severe anxiety and you like to be in control, have a sense of control in your own treatment, then this is going to work really well for you. 
Um, the sessions are typically completed in 90 minutes, and that's a little longer than a normal therapy session that's 60 minutes. And it's also, uh, there's a little bit more wiggle room, so protocol can be 10 to 15 weeks, 10 to 15 sessions. Um, so really, it's just something you gauge as you're going through this with your doctor or with your patient. Um, and yes, you know, believe it or not, I have worked with patients who literally in 10 weeks or less have totally recovered and they're just sick of hearing their story and they're like, I'm good, doc. When you work really hard, it's, it's very doable. Okay, so let's go through the sessions. So in session one, um, you can expect when you go in to see your doctor that you'll get some psychoeducation. That means information on the psychology um, and, and what we know about the field on treatment. Um, the rationale for pro prolonged exposure and exposure in general, and um, also a general outline of what to expect over the 10 to 15 weeks. Um, you will likely share some details about your traumatic experience, uh, which helps your therapist out, and also that will be recorded. You know, back when I learned this uh, treatment, we used a tape recorder, and I think there have been some technological advances since then, and you can record on your phone or a digital recorder. Um, so part of your homework every week will be to listen to that tape once every day. Also, uh, you will be taught and assigned breathing practice, right? So, you know, we're giving you these tools up front to help you with the hard thing that we're about to do together. All right, so second session... Um, you'll have a chance to talk more about your traumatic experience and about the effects that it had on you. And this was really going to help bring the therapist in so that together you can both figure out as a collaborative team what you're avoiding and set up a fear hierarchy, right? I like to call this our shit we avoid, shit we, uh, that we don't do, or shit that makes you anxious list. And that is going to be your guide for your in vivo, your in real life exposure, um, is your therapist is going to try to help you start getting out there. You're going to set goals to get out there and back into your life, doing these hard things over and over and over again. Um, through PE, you will be introduced to this concept uh, called SUDS. SUDS stands for Subjective Units of Distress, and it's basically thinking about our anxiety or avoidance on a 100-point scale. Um, and what zero represents, you know, no anxiety. 100 is the most anxiety you ever think you could ever experience. You think you're going to die. And when you start going out into these in vivo exposure exercises, you'll rate, you know, at uh, very frequent intervals, you'll rate, okay, what is my suds right now? What is my suds right now? Um, and kind of monitor through that exposure. And what you will see over time is that as you practice these exposure exercises more and more and more, your numbers come down. And eventually the goal is, the hope is that they'll be zero. All right, so in session three, you will continue to review homework. Homework is a very important part of therapy, good therapy. And your therapist um, will then probably talk about the rationale for imaginal exposure. And um, that's basically confronting your memory of the traumatic experience. And then for 45 to 60 minutes of that session, you will close your eyes, you will tell your trauma story, in the present tense. And 
obviously, you know, your story itself of the traumatic event might only take 10 to 15 minutes to complete. So what you'll do is you'll tell it over and over and over again to fill up that space of 45 to 60 minutes. And then after you you recorded that, you'll process and discuss this more with your therapist. And then your homework will again be to take that recording home and to listen to it once a day. And you'll also through this, this, uh, these weeks, you're going to be continuing with your in vivo exposures. Okay. The next several sessions, you're going to do the same thing over and over and over again. Each week, you're actually going to re-record your trauma story as many times as you have to, to fill up that, you know, hour or 45 minutes minimum. And then over the weeks, you'll start identifying something we call hot spots. Um, okay, so let's pause for a minute here. If you have had a traumatic experience that still plagues you, think about your story right now. Are there parts or moments in your story that, you know, you suddenly notice that your heart's racing or you're feeling really, really upset emotionally, um, more so than the in-between parts? Those are what we call your hot spots. And in this therapy of PE, we like to pay extra attention to those um, because chances are if this something uh, that is making you extra upset, there's probably some reason for it. So we want to help you process that so that you can get unstuck and not just be so latched onto that. Also, as you start to feel better and better, or as the story becomes easier and easier to tell each week, your imaginal exposure might get shorter. Like you might, it might start to, you know, get closer to 30 minutes. And of course, you'll keep doing the homework, practicing your breathing every day, reading your materials, doing your physical or your in vivo exposures from your fear hierarchy. And you'll be listening to your recording, your imaginal exposure on a daily basis. Believe it or not, as miserable as this work sounds, by the time you get to session 10 or something around there, you should be feeling a lot better. Assuming you did the work and you fully engaged and, you know, this was the appropriate modality or treatment type for you, you know, you'll start processing how you, your experience of thinking and talking about your traumatic experience has changed over time. And you'll start talking with your therapist about how to move forward and maintain your gains from treatment, right? Kind of towards the end of that structured protocol. Just as a final side note about PE and CPT, in my experience, when people come to me to do this work, if, if they have a vivid memory that plagues them, I tend to go for PE. I mean, as unpleasant as PE can be for people, um, it's extremely effective. Um, also, if for some reason cognitive processing is difficult, let's say, you know, someone's older or there might be some cognitive decline or, you know, this traumatic brain injury, maybe PE is actually the better choice. Um, but, you know, many of my patients with PTSD don't actually have vivid memories. So in that case, I tend to go with CPT. It's, I think, a better choice because even if you can't remember much of what happened, so for example, let's say you were a child who was molested and you've repressed most of those memories, or let's say you were drugged and raped, or you became unconscious after an attack, you know, you, you may not have a lot of memory. And maybe even if you do have some memory, that's not the worst part of it. Maybe the fallout or what happened afterwards was what actually felt more traumatizing. In that case, then 
we're definitely able to identify all the things that a person avoids, um, general worldview, the way that um, life is approached, relationships, thoughts uh, about the self and other people. And so CPT is a really great choice. So basically, that's PE in a nutshell. It's uh, also, like CPT, a fantastic treatment option. And I hope that maybe after hearing more about it, uh, some of you feel like this might be a useful treatment for you. I think it's worth the effort. And doing this work with a therapist can be very, very helpful. Ultimately, you will be doing all the work and the heavy lifting, but your therapist is there to support you and guide you through the jungle. And um, I personally believe that things don't need to be harder than they actually are, and they are hard already. So another reason that I also recommend medication while going through this treatment, um, that will help you put together, uh, therapy and meds will help you get unstuck much faster. Remember, PTSD is not a forever diagnosis. Recovery is within reach for you and the people you love. And when you are healthier, you raise the bar for all the people around you. And when you begin to thrive, then you can lead by example, and that can improve not only your quality of life, but also the quality of life of the people around you. And at the end of our life, nobody gets an award for suffering the most. So your time for recovery is now. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've learned at least one new thing that you can practice this week. Please feel free to share feedback and submit ideas for future topics at happywizardpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, stay safe and healthy until we meet again.